His name is associated with sophistication. He drives exquisite cars, drinks exquisite drinks, and goes to the most exquisite places in the world. This is a man known around the world for nearly 60 years, and with him, tons of great automobiles have been showcased and utilized within his movies. He loves his cars fast, he loves his gadgets, and he loves his martini shaken but not stirred. Today, we are talking about the man of the hour, Mr. James Bond himself, and the cars behind that great man today on Autolux. Autolux.net Autopod, streaming day or night, coming right at you, right here, right now. Welcome back to the Autolux Podcast. I am your host, the doctor to the automotive industry, Mr. Everett J. himself, coming to you from our Podbeam main host site and over at www.autolux.net slash podcast for all of your up-to-date podcast needs and the most extensive list of automotive corporations from around the world, big or small, we have them all. You can find them all on autolux.net. If you like what you hear today, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. And if you have trouble finding us through Podbeam or Autolux, check out one of our many other streaming sites from Spotify, iTunes, Google, and Amazon, along with many, many others we are attached to. Today, we are taking a look at the man of the hour. Yes, Mr. James Bond himself. Now, James Bond has been around since the 60s. His books have been around a lot longer, and with him have come many, many amazing cars. And from his humble beginnings, he has had many great cars. But what were the firsts? Hmm. Well, in Dr. No, we saw a 1962 Chevrolet Bel Air. But it wasn't a Bond car. It wasn't the Bond car. And it wasn't the car that would start it all. It was part of the movie, yes. And in a second iteration of From Russia With Love, James Bond rolls up in a 1935 Bentley 3.5 liter drophead coupe Park Ward. Now, in the original Ian Fleming's book, James Bond was going to roll around in a vehicle fitting for the Queen herself. He was supposed to drive around in a Bentley. Yes, his original car was supposed to be a Bentley. But, seeing that we need to be more modern and more in with the world and try and promote products from within, a little company from Great Britain named Aston Martin lent their hand in a 1962 Aston Martin DB5 to Goldfinger. Yes, Goldfinger the movie is the one that we know the most. This is a car that has been around in the James Bond franchise for a long, long time. Sean Connery drove it, Pierce Brosnan has driven it, and today, Daniel Craig drives it. And Daniel Craig, next year in 2021, is going to be bringing the DB5 back to life in no time to die. Now, he did bring it back to life in Skyfall when he escaped to where his parents lived. He utilized his old classic car hidden away in a garage to bring him home. And from there, we move into No Time to Die with its bullet screen, oil slick, machine gun headlights, ejector seat, and even navigation. Something unheard of in the 60s, navigation. Now these are all great, amazing products given to him by Q Division. A name so synonymous with Aston Martin that Aston Martin now utilizes the Q brand image for its personalized products. 
It has taken over 50 years for Aston Martin to finally do this, but they are finally doing it. They have James Bond editions, but they also have what they call the Q series. We're not talking about Q from Star Trek. We're talking about James Bond's right-hand man who built that DB5 with all of those amazing features on it for him. But from Goldfinger, we saw another amazing product from the 60s, the 1964 Ford Thunderbird. And if you paid close attention when they were in Kentucky, odd job utilized a Ford Ranchero to bring the crushed car from the FBI agents to a little Americana in there, getting the Thunderbird and some Ford influence. Now, Ford has been there a bunch of times, and we're going to get into that, but we're going to follow the cars as they go. Now, from Goldfinger, we move into the one and only car. Now, we know Inspector, the DB10, was made only for the movie, but there was a bunch of them made. But when You Only Live Twice came out, James Bond rolled up in one of the only to have ever existed 67 Toyota 2000 GT convertible. Yes, this was a car that was made for the movie. It was made for the movie. That's it. They didn't make them. Toyota never built convertible 2000 GTs. It was only built as James Bond was in Japan. An exclusive car for an exclusive man. But since seeing how much Aston Martin was boosted in sales thanks to the DB5 being a Goldfinger, Toyota took their hand at the 2000 GT, considering even building the car. But unfortunately, the costs were too high for them to do it. Now, shortly in between Sean Connery was George Lazenby, a man who only showed up for one James Bond movie on Her Majesty's Secret Service. It's not the best James Bond movie, and there were a lot of great things with it. But he did drive an Aston Martin once again, a 69 Aston Martin DBS. He showcased the Aston Martin. But this is only before Sean Connery makes his triumphant comeback in Diamonds Are Forever with again a Ford. Yes, every single time during the 60s and 70s when they touched down in America, they got Ford. When James Bond himself went to Vegas, he was given an Eleanor. Now, after the success of Gone in 60 Seconds has brought to the Mustang Mach 1, James Bond was also there with a 1971 Mustang Mach 1 in bright red. Now, what made this car so famous in James Bond world is that Sean Connery himself, well, not himself, but his stunt double, got this car up on two wheels and drove it down a back alley. Pretty amazing feat for that car, considering the fact that they had to essentially rebuild it for that one scene. Now, as Sean Connery had left the James Bond franchise, he would soon return once again for Never Say Never Again, which we all know where that one wound up. Mr. Roger Moore showed up. One of the most debonair James Bonds of all time. He treated women with a little bit more respect than Sean Connery. He brought a new type of sophistication to James Bond. And from the 70s through the 80s, he was given some of the most memorable James Bond cars of all time. And in 74, in The Man with the Golden Gun, both himself and the villain drove American Motor products. Yes, American Motor made their one and only appearance in the James Bond franchise. They showed up with the AMC Hornet and the AMC Matador. The Matador turned into a flying car by the villain. That was pretty cool, but not as cool as when James Bond, taking his unsuspecting co-pilot, an American from Texas, on a fabulous joyride across the countryside in that AMC Hornet, even barrel rolling it across a river. Now, a lot of us may not remember the AMC Hornet. You may not even remember that. Even though the man with the golden gun is one of the most famous characters from the James Bond franchise, being a main part of the Golden Eye 
video game from the 90s. Yes, everybody wanted to play multiplayer with the man with the golden gun. Because once you got the golden gun, one shot, everyone's dead. It was great. Everybody remembers that. They don't remember the AMC. Which is unfortunate because that barrel was epic. Epic. But after that, James Bond himself moved into the amazing, amazing products from Sir Colin Chapman himself, Lotus. Lotus making one of their two James Bond appearances showcase themselves in The Spy Who Loved Me with the most famous James Bond car of all time. One that was even lost, lost by the studio until it was found in a storage locker. Yes, the Lotus Esprit became so famous in The Spy Who Loved Me because it turned into a submarine was lost but then again found inside of a storage unit. A storage unit of all places. It has become one of the best finds ever made in a storage unit. But what made this car so famous, besides being found in a storage unit, is it became a submarine. And after an amazing car chase scene, while being chased by a helicopter, he drives off the end of the pier and into the water and becomes a submarine, thus launching a rocket from the back end of the Lotus and takes out the helicopter. Pretty unfortunate for all of us sitting in the audience as the pilot of that helicopter was one sexy, sexy woman. But she was evil and in all James Bond movies, the evil must go. Or in James Bond case, be turned to good and bad. Now from there, James Bond moved himself onto For Your Eyes Only, where he utilized two Lotus Esprits. His first one actually blowing up near the beginning of the movie. But why? Because the security system on the car self-destructs when anyone but James Bond tries to access it. This pushed Roger Moore, or I should say James Bond, into a 1979 Citroen 2CV. Well, maybe not 79. 75 Citroen 2CV. The car that put France on wheels. James Bond drove it down hills in Greece. Not down roadways, down hills. Showcasing 2CV as being the ultimate backwoods vehicle. It was cheap and affordable to operate, and yet it can go anywhere. Well, at least for James Bond, it went anywhere. But that wasn't the only car he showcased. He showcased that Lotus Esprit Turbo when he showed up at the Olympics. And we all remember that 18-year-old girl that was all over James Bond, who was trying out for the Olympics, being trained by the villains who James Bond himself was trying to capture. But James Bond rolled up into the little Swiss Alps in a Lotus Esprit Turbo with a ski rack on it for all. This was something that was just becoming new. Lotus wanted to showcase that you don't need a four-wheel drive vehicle to go on a weekend adventure in the Alps. You can use a Lotus. Strap your skis on it and go party. That's the idea they were trying to promote. And they did. From the 70s and into the 80s, the Esprit became one of those amazing wedge-shaped products that was utilized for not just going back and forth or having fun on back roads. It was utilized for having fun on weekends. Thank you, James Bond, for that. Now, after Roger Moore had left us, utilizing two more vehicles, a quick car chasing octopusy, Gave us an Alfa Romeo GTV6. But at the beginning of that movie, he also utilizes an Arcostar jet. Then he flies right through a barn. It may not be a vehicle, but it's showcased to people small personalized aircraft. It showed us all the world that we can own our own personalized aircraft. But the only other car chase seen in that movie, an octopusy, was when he was in his auto rickshaw. 
And that was a lot more long-lived than the Alfa Romeo. Now, before that, in Moonraker, gotta remember, Spy Love Me and then Moonraker were almost the same. One's underwater, one's in space. But with Moonraker being in space, yes, there's a space shuttle in it. But the funny thing is, is that James Bond, a Glastron CV23HT hydrofoil boat. This boat was from Q and hooked up with all the amazing gadgets he needed to go through the Amazon. Yes, James Bond was in the Amazon. In a boat, not a car. And this showcased to us amazing personal transportation no matter where you go in the world. And Roger Moore had more of that than anyone else. Hell, the man in his last movie, for View to a Kill, drove half of a Renault in Paris. Watch the movie. You'll see the Renault. The back end gets ripped off of it, and he still drives the front, showcasing front-wheel drive technology to the masses. But yes, the back end gets ripped apart. It's not like a rear-wheel drive. You could still drive it. Well, with a few minor tweaks of the James Bond universe. But after Roger Moore left us, Timothy Dalton moved in. And for his first movie, he wanted to bring back James Bond. Everything British. He utilized two Aston Martins and a Land Rover. Yes, can't get more British than that. With one Aston Martin near the beginning, careening through a snowy forest and onto an ice lake. This was the Aston Martin V8 Vantage from The Living Daylight. And then later on in the movie, he utilizes the Volante when he needs to showcase his suave and sophisticated manner to everyone. But that's because he's James Bond. God's sakes. The Land Rover shows up later on in the movie while he's in the desert. Yes. You gotta be more British. There weren't a lot of cool features with it. It did have skis, which did make it a lot easier for him to travel across the frozen lake. But unfortunately, Timothy Dalton, being one of the only British men to ever play James Bond, only had a two-run movie. And had a license to kill, the Aston Martins disappeared and the Lincoln moved in as the FBI Americanized the James Bond franchise. This would be inevitable until the end of Pierce Brosnan. Yes, Americanized Western culture slowly moved in, but not Western products. For as with Pierce Brosnan moved in, BMW came with him. And utilizing BMW for three movies out of his four amazing movies. His first one being Goldeneye and showcasing the 1996 BMW Z3, a car that brought BMW back to the roadster market. To this day, Z3s are still an amazing little roadster that is well forgotten. And in his third movie, The World Is Not Enough, he does get a BMW Z8. With amazing products in it from Q, which are quickly destroyed by the villain themselves, where they utilize the saw blades from their helicopter they're using to cut the oil line through Turkey, and they saw the Z8 in half before Bond ever gets to use anything from it. Kind of a kick in the ass to BMW saying, we don't want your German products in our British movie. But that wasn't, because in his second installment, the one between those two, James Bond himself had one of my most favorite Bond cars of all. It's something that had technology that Geely would eventually introduced to the Chinese marketplace in the 2010s to their models. Yeah, I'm talking about the BMW 740iL used in Tomorrow Never Dies. One of my most favorite car chase scenes ever in a James Bond movie. That car had amazing, amazing features. He had rockets. 
He had guns. He apparently had bulletproof glass, but that didn't stop them from shooting out his windows. Funny how a sledgehammer can't destroy the side window, but a bullet flying at the front windshield goes right through it. I always found that part a little hokey. But the amazing part about that car chasing with the BMW 7 Series is the fact that James Bond drives the car from the back seat. Through his flip phone, James Bond utilizes his thumb to drive the vehicle from the back seat taking the villains chasing him on an amazing journey through a parking garage where in the end Pierce Brosnan himself casually rolls out of the vehicle and crashes the 7 series right back into Avis's office he delivered it just like he said now for us James Bond was moving on and unfortunately Pierce Brosnan only had one more movie and I say Die Another Day was the last great James Bond movie Daniel Craig is a great actor but his character as James Bond is not you can give him more gadgets, but it still won't make him a true James Bond. All he is, is a secret service spy. He lets people live. He doesn't score with the women, and there's no inevitable plot to take over the world, which he foils. Ugh. But there are some amazing cars. This was only after Pierce Brosnan showcased to us the world's greatest James Bond car chase scene from Die Another Day. Yes, Die Another Day has the best car chase scene from any James Bond movie ever. Why? Because not just James Bond has a car with gadgets. His nemesis, that expensive acne, has a decked out Jaguar with just as many features as James Bond. Now, the 2001 Aston Martin V12 Vanquish from Die Another Day has retractable machine guns behind the t headlights. It has full navigation. It has oil slick. It has a protective screen. It has the ejector seat. It is the DB5 reimagined for the 21st century. But with one thing for the 21st century, it can vanish. Yes, the Vanquish turns into the Aston Martin Vanish. As it disappears with Q utilizing tiny little cameras all over the vehicle reflected back onto its surface to make it seem like it's invisible a cloaking device given to us by mr. Gene Roddenberry from the Klingons and he used it up against a Jaguar outfitted with thermal recognition machine guns built into the back and behind the front grille rockets but James Bond had one thing on him. He could vanish. He had spikes in his tires so he can grip. For when the Ram bars came out of that Jaguar XJ, he was able to drive up the wall and escape. <laughs> but again, as the FBI were upon us, Miss Jinx shows up in a Thunderbird. The last Thunderbird. And we are, thank God, it's the last Thunderbird. 2002 Ford Thunderbird from Dying on the Day was one of the worst Thunderbirds ever in history. Actually, it was the worst. I'm sorry, even the ones from the 90s and the 80s that became coops and the big bulky ones in the late 70s. The ones from the early 2000s were just horrid. And it wasn't enough to save the car. No, I saw the original designs for this car and it did have tail fins on it. Something Ford should have kept on it. Now, from there, we moved to Daniel Craig. Actually, we're going to take a step back. I forgot about one of the most important vehicles that James Bond ever drove, which Pierce Brosnan had from GoldenEye. Yeah, he had the Z3, but he also drove a T-55 M5 tank through Russia. Pierce Brosnan himself enjoyed that scene so much, he actually owns one now. Yeah, he actually owns a tank. You can buy, legally buy decommissioned tanks in certain parts of the world, and in Great Britain, you can, inclusive of Russia. So James Bond himself does own one, or should I say, Remington Steel owns one now. Now moving on to Daniel Craig. 
Like I said, he's not a true James Bond. For one, when he drove his Aston Martin DBS in Casino Royale, he had to be taught how to drive a stick shift. Something today he wouldn't have to learn, but back in 2006, he had to learn it. Unfortunately, that DBS rolled to a similar fate as the vehicles that showed up for the movie. Yeah, one was actually put into a lake while on delivery for the movie. Unfortunately for us, it didn't live long at Casino Royale. It was there, but it wasn't great. Added to this, the Ford Mondeo he used in the Caribbean, again with the Ford. Same with Quantum of the Solace. He, he utilizes a Ford car. God sakes, it's James Bond. He's got to have a cool car. Not standard products every Joe Blow can afford. We have to aspire to be him. And in his last movie, Spectre. The directors finally understood why nobody was picking up the phone to be a part of their movies. They needed products people wanted, people desired. They needed something to drag people into the theaters to see it. And when you put Dave Batista in a movie against James Bond, you have to give him a car. And not only did they show up with Land Rovers, many Land Rover defenders in this movie for the villains, they also gave the villain the CX-75 Jaguar concept to chase Aston Martin, James Bond, in his custom-made Aston Martin DB10, where there was only 10 ever built, only for the movie. And when these things go for sale, they go for big bucks. They had finally done it. They had finally given the world something to desire once again, something that hadn't been done since the Lotus Esprit of the Spy Who Loved Me. They gave the world a James Bond-worthy car. But again, Daniel Craig dumps it into a river. Gotta stop destroying your cars, man. Now we are on to the fifth installment of Daniel Craig. He's done Casino Royale, Quantum the Solace, Skyfall, Spectre, and now, now, no time to die. After he said he would never, ever do another James Bond movie again, he shows up for No Time to Die. And with it comes an army of Land Rover Defenders. The brand new Land Rover Defenders showcased in the movie before they were available to the general public. But since he destroyed his DB-10 inspector, James Bond now has to move on to the original Aston Martin DB-5. And for what we've seen, James Bond will return in all of his glory and bring the original Aston Martin DB5 back to the big screens, giving us what we all want. Action-packed, full-on scenes with amazing gadgets and some of the sexiest women in the world. We'll have to wait until April 3rd, 2021 before we finally get to see that great movie. But until then, we can only dream of how those scenes are going to turn out. So over the course of over 20 movies, James Bond has showcased to us many new products and many products we can't even afford or get. From BMW motorcycles and Tomorrow Never Dies from being one of the most great bike scenes ever in a movie, to a Lotus that turns into a submarine, to a tank that terrorizes the Russian people themselves. James Bond has done it all, from underwater to space, to the air, to the sea, and everything in between, showcasing new products to the world. Hell, James Bond was the man who showcased to the world Canada's own Sea-Doo products in The Spy Who Loved Me. Yes, Sea-Doo was shown to the world through the silver screens of James Bond. Because back then it was called a jet ski because it rode on two skis. So with all the cars that have been behind him and all the great products that we've come to love and know about James Bond, what does 
does the future have in store for us? What? We, we don't have the answers to those questions. Only time will tell, but Aston Martin will be here for the long haul. As it seems, Aston Martin is now known around the world as being the one and only product of James Bond. The products in between, from AMC, Lotus, Ford, Land Rover, and even BMW, are all seen as products used for movies. But only the DB5 can be seen as a James Bond product. So in the end... Can James Bond save your car company? Probably not, unless you're Aston Martin. So from all of us at Autolux, if you like this episode, please like, share, or comment on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Stop by our website and check out some of the great pictures and features from this podcast at www.autolux.net and share it with your friends. The streaming services from iTunes, Spotify, Podbeam, Google, Amazon, Stitcher, and many, many more including you two from the Autolux podcast. I am your host, Everett J. And we want to ask you to strap yourself in for this one fun wild ride as we have no time to die with the Aston Martin and James Bond.